0: Tonight on the
1: Goblins' Corner, Minis and Terrain with Leif Vesterholm. That's how we roll. Welcome to the Goblins' Corner. My name is Eric, and I'm Matt. And tonight, we're doing
0: Minis and Terrain with Leif Vesterholm.
1: That's right. Leif Vesterholm is the creator of the YouTube series Devs and Dice, a TTRPG crafting channel for miniatures and terrain. He's made everything from terrain and miniatures for D&D, Frostgrave, Warhammer, Dioramas, and a whole lot more. More importantly, Leif shows you how to craft these amazing projects as well, and tonight we're happy to have him this evening to talk about gaming, making miniatures, crafting all sorts of terrain. So
2: Leif, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Eric and Matt. Uh, happy to be here. Took a while from Sweden, but I finally made it to your house. Uh, no, not really.
0: <laughs> well, we told you not to take the rowboat, but no.
2: <laughs> well, you know, rowing, it's, it's sailing that we Vikings generally do, but we do occasional rowing, you know. Uh.
1: So tonight, Leif, you'll be joining us talk a little bit about gaming, TTRBGs and such, but before we get to that... Got a question of the week. All right. So Matt, what is the question of
0: the week? What is your dream project? The project that you've wanted to do, but haven't gotten the chance to getting around to it.
1: Hmm. My dream project. Actually, Leif, I want to hear your dream
2: project first. So give me a second to figure out what mine is going to be. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. You could probably see that I already <laughs> knew what mine is. Uh, so, um, i think think, what was it, the year was 2001, went to the cinema, watched the first uh, Lord of the Rings film. I've, I'll admit it, I mean, I'm somewhat literate, but I've tried desperately to read through the original trilogy, and I always fail somewhere around Rivendell. So getting to see the first Lord of the Rings in cinema was the greatest experience I've ever seen. Alluding to I fell in love with Lord of the Rings. I actually just the other day showed my 11-year-old son uh, the trilogy, and he loved it. Um, And my dream project would be, uh, because I I consider myself to be something between a, a, a dwarf and a hobbit, so I think my dream project would be Hobbiton, specifically Bag End, with the big oak tree and the round door and all of the windows and lots of greenery. And uh, yeah, definitely that. And one day I will. Very cool. I love that. That sounds great. I hope so.
1: (laughs) Matt, what would yours be?
0: Mine would be very TTRPG specific. And in my head, I have a goblinoid siege tower Mm. with spikes and a ram and, you know, ballistas and just But ludicrous, right? Because it's built by goblinoid engineers. Sure. And so that would be
1: amazing. I like that as well. That's nice.
0: I'm going to need it to be like four stories.
2: Like I need it a good size. Nice and epic. Yes. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of creative also because since it's uh, contrast to mine, you don't have anything really to go on. So you can, you know, uh, be a little bit crazy with the design of it and start thinking like a goblin when you do it. (laughs) yeah
0: can't not think like a goblin exactly
1: (laughs) (laughs) right, for mine I have two answers no great surprise there shocking Uh, so the first one is I want to recreate in the forgotten realms the city of shade the floating citadel city of shade I think that would be if I was going to handle something that was epic it's going to have to take up an entire coffee table at least or more
0: That's going to take up a basement.
1: I mean, look, it's worth it, man. City of shit. Big old floating city. That would be awesome to do.
0: Put it on an acrylic block so that it actually...
1: Yeah, yeah. So I would love to do that. And then the other thing, just because it would amuse me, is to do some kind of maybe large table-sized diorama of a dune sandworm Mm. complete with the sand, and it would just basically be a thing my kids could play in the sand with. Because really all you need is the miniature
0: so you need a sandbox, but with a sandworm it. Yeah, pretty much. Just make a okay. sandworm. And that's it. And I think in this case, miniature is somewhat of a misnomer. That would still be a very large object. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd
1: put some tiny Fremen in there <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, just tiny little Fremen next to this gigantic sandworm. I'd even, you know, you'd have to like get it so that it, you'd hook like a plasma torch or something up to it so that it would spit fire like the uh, the sandworms do. Oh my God. Probably
2: not great for uh, for kids. <laughs> You can always do fake fire. You know. There there is ways to do fake fire, Eric. That's true, yes.
1: I mean, do you can have both. Do you create fake fire? Or perhaps you're a Fremen? Write to us info at goblinscorner dot com or you can reach me, Eric at goblinscorner dot com or
0: me, Matt at goblinscorner dot com.
1: And of course you can find us on all the things. Like Twitter, mostly. <laughs> mostly Twitter. And Matt's on TikTok. And Discord. Yeah. And I'm on TikTok. It's very true. leafs on a lot of stuff too. Yeah. So, all right. Let's talk a little bit about visual aids, guys. So first off, I'm kicking it to either of you. Why do we want in our tabletop games visual aids? Like miniatures and figurines, dioramas, all that sort of thing.
0: I think first off, it assists with storytelling.
1: Yes. I would agree with that as well. I think storytelling wise, when especially, particularly like battle. When you're in the middle of a battle, it gets to be very difficult to explain that there is these two monsters in the corner. There's an assailant coming in the opposite direction. Maybe there's an aerial encounter coming down as dragon swooping down or what have you. And describing those enemies or those, or the terrain settings that they're in, whether they're in a marsh or a hill or whatnot, it's, it's kind of difficult, right? Like a lot of people can see it in their head if you're a good DM, but if you don't have that theater of the mind, you know, miniatures, terrain, really helps with that.
2: Yeah, I'm I, um, going to tag along with that. I, I, I agree. I mean, the reason why I started with terrain was twofold, actually. Uh, one was so that we could all have a very concrete, clear picture of where you were in a combat situation. The second of it was actually... Um, this, this, you're, don't analyze me for this, but I, I, uh, I would feel super guilty if I ever killed a player character, and I wanted it to be as fair as possible. And I didn't want anyone to misunderstand where they were or anything like that. So, uh, going back to what Matt said about combat, I, I do think specifically in combat, terrain does, uh, lend itself pretty well. It makes perfect sense. Matt, what are
1: some of the reasons we might want to? add some miniatures or uh, figurines and such.
0: They add to the ambiance of the game, right? If you've got a couple of different types of storytellers, you have people who are very verbose and they can get details down very well, but you also have people who are very good at crafting who maybe are a little less uh, thesaurus-related in their vocabulary. And for some people, it's simply easier to show the players what they're seeing than it is for them to describe it in a way that is very clear for their players going back to the you want to make this as fair as possible if you can see it you can see it and if you make bad decisions after you've seen it then those are your bad decisions that you've made
1: yeah 100% on that
0: but if I forget to tell you that there's a summoning circle in the middle of this room and you walk into it that's my bad as a DM.
1: So showing some of those, then what you're talking about with the, like the summoning circle would be an example of scatter terrain. So showing some of those examples of physical reps helps everybody overall understand like what's going on in the scene. And again, like you said, ambiance, right? Yep. Uh, tactical gameplay, we talked a little bit about, you know, like knowing where everything is. And I would also say just it being fun. Mm. It's fun to make this stuff. It's fun to
2: play with this stuff. It's like playing with toys. Sure. Yeah, one thing that I was thinking about what you said Matt there. Uh my first D&D group. I'm I'm actually sort of a noob when it comes to D&D. 5th edition was my first edition. And oh. and uh in my D&D group we have uh what is it? four Swedes and a Frenchman. And our common language is English, which, you know, and yes, I might do okay on a on the, you know, a talk show or something like that, but when it comes to the nitty-gritty descriptive details and really fleshing things out, I also, it, it gets complicated. And you don't sure. always n- know the perfect descriptive word. And having terrain, I feel like, because let's be honest, being a dungeon master, at least in my opinion, is there's a lot of pressure. Some you might put on yourself, some that you might feel from, you know, outside. And if this is easier but still has a nice feel to it, then go for it, I say, with terrain, you know?
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And particularly if you're juggling a lot of different things, you're juggling combat, you're juggling the story aspect, you're thinking about the characters, Mm -hmm. you're thinking about consequence of actions, anything that helps you do your job as a storyteller or dungeon master or GM better is a win in my opinion. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, physical objects definitely win uh, the language barrier sometimes too. Yeah. It's easier to just show somebody somebody and say, here, it looks like that. Oh, it's a beholder. However, the French say beholder. And, <laughs> and there you go, right?
0: Right. And some people just end of the day are tactical people. Yeah. Like physically uh, tactile people. Yeah. They, they like to get their hands on things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are two different types and, and there's probably more types, but we've, we've broken it down into two different types of particular terrain that I would say make or break a game. And the first type is simple, basic shapes. And then the second would be like what I consider to be realistic shapes. That could be realistic terrain or realistic miniatures. So let's talk first about the simple, basic, tactical-oriented uh, miniatures and terrain. What are we talking about here?
0: You've got old-school fizz reps a to really get into the idea of a character and for troop placement.
1: Yeah, and fizz reps is in physical representation and this could be something as simple as you know blocks or cards or yeah. you know a Cheeto that you happen to have just stick it on the board spare
0: dice man spare when, dice when i first started playing our we didn't have minis uh when we first started and so the the fighter would use a d10 the mage would use a d4 right you pick a die that's the color that's characteristic of your character and the hit points Like the actual hit die of your character, and use that because it was the easiest way
2: to differentiate. Would be kind of cool to use the monsters as a DM. Sorry, I'm just spinning off what you're saying. If you actually had the monsters as something edible, because then the player who uh, you know uh, does the final blow gets to eat the what is it, a Cheerio or or a little potato chip or whatever it is. (laughs) Gummy bears, man. Yeah, yeah, gummy candy. (laughs)
1: Exactly. That would be great. Man, it'd be tough to eat through that green dragon though. It's like this mm-hmm. big.
2: Ancient green dragon. Mmm.
1: <laughs> You'd
0: delicious. use one of those, uh one of those little eyeball chocolates from Halloween for a beholder.
1: Yeah. See? If you make them hollow, it'd be like the hollow uh Easter bunnies. Put a Cadbury egg. Oh my god, we've got a new we've got Matt, we've got a crafting idea. We should take a Cadbury egg and some
2: fondant and make a beholder out of it let get on there. Okay, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll start teaching myself uh, how to like shape things with chocolate. Also, I see those videos on Facebook all the time. You know, people who like yeah. sculpt crazy things with chocolate. Um, it's always impressive. If if you get a
0: a good block of chocolate, like if a good chocolate mold, so that you make a solid piece of chocolate, it is seriously not significantly different than carving foam. Mm. It is messier. Yeah. Because, you know, it melts at the touch of your hands. But you can eat whatever
1: you carve as opposed to foam.
2: So, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you got a win win there. I guess uh, room temperature <laughs> needs to be somewhat cold, I'm guessing. Uh, also, a yeah. <laughs> little, little bit of
0: air conditioner would go a long way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, in addition to obviously the physical reps, we also have stuff like maps or dungeon tiles. Uh, so, Things that let the players know where they are in reference to something else, and this can also be stuff like trees or simple objects as well. And this would be like a, I consider it be simple shapes, right? Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, you at the very base level of that, you can you can buy the notepads that have one inch squares on it and just draw them in. That is still a baseline visual representation. Now, we're going a little further than that, but you use what you got in some cases.
1: Yeah. Uh, Now, in opposite to all of that, if you've got some simple stuff and you want to kind of up the game a little bit, we talk a little bit about realistic terrain. What, in terms of equipment, do we need for realistic terrain, Matt? Well,
0: you can make dioramas. Okay. And for those who don't know, those are basically a static set, right? It's a statue for all intents and purposes.
1: It is something to be looked at generally. Mm-hmm. We've got scale miniatures or scale terrain pieces. And Leif, you've made several of those.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh I think when it comes to terrain, uh personally, it's, it's uh, again, making some sort of representation. It could be, Hills, it could be, uh, you know, different constructions, buildings, all of those things, really. Uh, it depends, I, I think, a lot also on the type of dungeon master you are. I, my, like, my encounters tend to be a lot in forested areas. So I gravitated towards that. So a lot of, like, trees, you know, uh, what are you called stubs, fallen logs, those sort of things. Sure.
1: So you've got like a lot more forested and scattered terrain than maybe say if you're in like an underdark adventure and caverns and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh
2: I do have yeah. some underdark, but uh like for instance, I don't have any desert terrain or any snow. I've I've got one snow thing, but it's the monster.
0: Well you well you've got desert terrain some somewhere.
1: Oh yeah. Oh the hoodoos and yeah. stuff? Yeah. I mean like
0: Ah, oh, you've got them. That's why I could. This see right them. here. <laughs> mm.
1: There we go. And that looks yeah, awesome. We'll talk about those in a second, guys. All right. So what's the difference between what I would consider to be basic terrain or playable terrain versus the more elaborate stuff? Well, the first thing you would think of is, is that the basic terrain, the playable stuff, is great for new DMs. You want to be able to explain something, plop it down. Oh, look, that's a dragon. That's a beholder. Oh, that's a hoodoo. Or that's a you know like a piece like a stalagmite or something like that, or a tree. You don't have to explain it. It's great for new players so that they, again, they can see that as well. They don't have to use as much theater of the mind to determine what something is and where in relation it is, especially if you have like a battle mat or a
2: nice set of dungeon tiles like many people make. But there's also some other ideas as well. And when when it comes to sort of the more tactical gameplay, like for instance, when I run a game, it's not the fact that I don't do the voices, it's not the fact that I don't try to be elaborate with my descriptions but when it comes to the tactics of it i try to be quite you know in character if they are facing someone who has an int of 18 they will be aware of their terrain and my players know this and the fun thing i feel is that i can see my players get inspired by the terrain it's not just there to tell them that Oh, here's a you know stalagmite or a stalactite, or here's a door, or, or it's not. It's more than that. They start asking questions like, "Would it be possible for me to interact with this terrain piece and you know hit it over the head of you know those sort of things?" And that's the fact that I love, and which brings a sort of different level of tactical gameplay, I guess. Also, tactile and tactical.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, both. And I love that idea, too, because it lets the characters, lets the players kind of figure things out Mm. in a way that if they just had to imagine it with just a description, they may not come up with these novel solutions to defeat whatever challenges you have, whether it's a trap or whether it's a monster. Yeah,
0: Are you even playing in a cave if you haven't stabbed somebody with a stalagmite? (laughs) I mean,
1: bro, don't you even stab anybody with a stalagmite? Or if you're
0: a barbarian, chuck them up into the ceiling full of stalactites. Oh, that would yeah,
1: just, rah, yeah. Good old, like a
2: little good old, Mortal Combat action. <laughs> little pincushion stuff going on there. Yeah, I love that. I think the the one of my players, he's uh, an illusionist, I think it was. So, like, one needs to... Barbarians, yes. Of course, they can interact and, you know, smash through things. But also, like, how magic can uh, alter encounters. Like, I've put my players through... Um, some really deadly encounters, and it wasn't the fighter that saved it, it wasn't the barbarian, it was the you know, wizard uh, illusionist who said, Hey, can I con can I make a major illusion w- of a rock, uh, like over here? And then we would t- take one of my styrofoam rocks, and then oh, yeah, of course. And I think in that case, it was like a giant or something that was attacking them, so not very intelligent. <laughs> To say the least, right. So those sort of things, I think, are good examples of yeah. It feeds the creativity of players as well.
0: There are few things as dangerous as a clever illusionist.
1: That is one hundred percent correct on yep.
2: that.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now we also have realistic train, and realistic train's good for a couple of things as well. And the first thing I would say is, is it definitely ups the ante when it comes to like storytelling elements. So you get like you know you can use a thinly crafted piece of rock, right? Just basically looks like a rock, but if it looks like a rock, that means a bit more to me as a player than it does if you just use like a wooden like a kid's wooden block to represent it. Yeah. And so you get a lot more thematic elements and a lot more scene painting, particularly with the more realistic
2: crafting stuff. As someone who does do i well realistic crafting somewhat realistic crafting at least i i like to pretend i mean we all do we're playing dungeons and dragons and stuff like that right so so when you you are crafting this i think at least in my head i try to sort of channel all of my players and think about oh here's probably a good situation where you know my bro, uh, halfling thief would want to take cover here's a good place for the barbarian to you know leap out and i don't know go barbarian rage and do weird stuff uh so so it's quite interesting also with the realistic stuff because i i really do think that it's it's almost like we up the storytelling quality but we also i guess up the detail of thinking about it it's not just a rock now it's a rock with a small mound Here's some, you know, a a puddle of mud, perhaps. Perhaps they can slip on it. Is it difficult terrain? I don't know. You tell me. Here's some flowers. Could they be used to actually give to the night hag and charm her? Probably not, but you see what I mean? It's those sort of things, like, the detail goes up, and so does, I think, the ideas.
1: I love the idea of giving some flowers to a night hag. Yeah, no, no. Just (laughs) not on the town with the night hag, you know? Just... You're down, and down in water deep, getting hit in the disco club with the night hag and just hanging out. Okay, bad example. She's got her gnarly <laughs> claws on your back.
0: I think it's a great example. Hey, <laughs> look, awesome we example. don't kink shame around here. That's if, true. You're, if you're into night hags, you're into night hags. Oh, it's, thanks. we're fine with thanks, that.
1: Night hags need need love too. Exactly. All right. So and what were you gonna say, Matt? Oh, <laughs> I, I was just
0: I was gonna say I like the idea that you can tailor your terrain to your party so that you can provide options and whether or not they take them, they're aware that they're there and that's always nice.
1: Yeah. Also boss fights. Mm. Yes. You want some realistic terrain to craft, do it for boss fights because then it looks great because they're showpieces, right? The realistic stuff is the stuff that you may not want to get banged around as much as your playable stuff, but you know, you get that boss battle, that's when you craft something super nice so that everybody can just go, oh, shit, this is real now. Yeah. You know, like, things got real when you have that giant Draco Lich just yep. kind of hanging out.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's when the alarm bells go off. When, when a very serious piece of terrain or a very serious mini hits the table and everybody goes, oh, oh we should have turned left. No, no. No, no, didn't sign up for this.
1: I saw a crafter make some dungeon tiles, and one of the center ones was an LED dungeon crafted tile, and it had like a, a summoning circle, and it lit with LEDs. He yeah. flipped the switch, and when that switch lit, he had the whole—you know—he did a whole bunch of uh, tiles, but when that center switch lit, uh, and it showed the glowing summoning circle, and then. You set the monster down. I think it was like just a demon that he had purchased or something. It, that really like tells the story. Yeah. That was super cool to look at. And I was like, oh, man, I got to make something like that. That's when you know you've done something right.
2: I love underlit tiles. Uh, that's the thing, uh, Matt, what you mentioned about the players knowing that uh, you know shit's going to happen. Uh, when we played, we actually played at work, because we all uh, were well working at the same place. So after, you know, five o'clock, we would go into a meeting room, essentially. And I actually had a couple of boxes uh, with me of terrain, and some of them were transparent. Now, for the special mm-hmm. pieces, of course, that wasn't transparent. And even when we were all, like, helping each other out, rolling, you know, all of the terrain to the room, they sort of, oh, shit, so- something's happening. There's boxes of you know, <laughs> there could be something you know big coming along, so it's it, why's
1: Leif digging in the
2: big box? Yeah,
1: that's all. There's nothing but gargantuan creatures in
2: there. Oh, you're on
1: for a boss battle now, buddy.
0: Yeah, here's a seven hundred dollar tea mat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk a little bit about maybe what DMs need to run a game. And and I've broken this down into three qualities. The bare minimum that you would need terrain and playing piece-wise, some nice-to-haves, and then if you could just go whole hog, like some some of the more elaborate pieces, like we're talking, like the boss battle pieces. So uh, I'm really interested to get your input on this, Life From a bare minimum, what do you think we would need to just start with some miniatures or some basic terrain? Yeah,
2: I mean... I'm, I'm going to go even further and, and come with a... I'm an old man, so I'm going to come with a weird reference. Uh, I think I told you about this, Eric, before. You don't need terrain or minis, of course. I mean, one of the best horror films, uh, what is it, 1975 or something, Jaws? Uh, Steven Spielberg made us afraid of a camera underwater playing weird music for 45 minutes. So... Our minds are always going to be better than anything. The sooner you accept that, the better. But if we were to go minimal, I would say, from my point of view, I, I always like the battle mats that you can draw on. Uh, and it's same same with the one-inch grid stuff that you can draw on. That's like the bare minimum. Because then you can draw out shapes, uh, positions where players are, uh, and you can get a lay of the land, so to speak, in a very... Um, simple way. That's where I would start.
1: Battle mats are great because you can roll them up. Mm. You can store them pretty much anywhere. Like you said, a lot of them you can draw on with sh- with uh, what is it, the uh, uh dry erase markers? Yeah. And yeah. and if you just you've got to want you want to run a quick game, you just want to do something, roll it out. Yep,
0: you can have one draped across your studio table.
1: Mm. I mean, <laughs> you want
0: to hold up the one? Hold up a corner oh. there, man. I don't I don't think anybody can see it. I yeah. can't get it. Yeah, no. It'll, yeah, it's, it's not
1: within a shot. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. People, Of course, people on Spotify are like, I can't see anything. Right. So it's fine. Uh, another good idea to have is either some cards, like, like you said, the, uh, the one-inch playing cards or the ones that are broken into one-inch squares. Yeah. And, of course, you could make some very inexpensive tiles, either out of foam or out of cardboard. And we'll show some examples of those after the break. Something else
0: you can do with cards is if you are... Of a illustrative bent, you can literally just take some index cards, make a little cheap base for them, Mm -hmm. and draw a character for each of the actual player characters and slide those around.
1: Yeah, we've been using that in game board pieces for years. Yeah. Cheap cardboard. Speaking of figurines, what are some ideas, guys, in terms of like just real quick, simple, minimal playing pieces for
2: characters or monsters? I sort of, I mean, we already mentioned, you know, you can have snacks at the table just to represent different monsters or, or uh, figures, but you can have dice as well, like you brought up, Matt. I mean, yeah. I, I think really, like, your imagination is your limit, as long as you agree with everyone what it is. Uh, It could be pretty much anything. You can absolutely steal pieces from Monopoly or
0: any other game that you've got handy. That's a that's a great free one.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Board game pieces. You can also yep. use stuff like the little jewels that you find at the dollar store, the little gems, rocks, and stuff.
0: If you're a Magic player, you can use tokens, the the counter oh, tokens. Yeah. I
1: didn't think about that. Yeah. You can use little blocks, and we'll talk about monster blocks uh, after the break as well. All yeah, pretty much anything that represents somebody else's character or monster works. If it fits within the battle mat, even better. If it doesn't, well, I mean, you can still kind of work around with that as well. Okay, so we've got like some bare minimums here. What do we consider as far as like nice to haves?
2: Well, I mean, for me, uh, I started with buying sort of pre-painted, you know, D&D minis, uh, which was pretty nice to have. It's, It's You know, it's quick, you don't have to paint them yourself, and it looks decent enough. Uh and yeah, I mean that that that's a start. I would say at least, especially for mm-hmm. a DM. Uh, it's nice to have a set of monsters to present to the players.
1: I like that. Yeah.
2: Yep.
0: Matt, you got something? I do. Crafted terrain pieces. Now, Eric is well aware of this. I am not artistically inclined. We'll say. <laughs> However. There are some very simple things that even I am more than I actually helped with one of the hoodoos. Uh, it's not the best looking one, but it, it suffices.
1: Looks great. I yeah. love it. We'll, we'll show it as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, but just carving out a piece of foam as a rock or, you know, some very simple terrain pieces that once you put a couple layers of paint on them, look great for what they are
1: can also craft your own, uh, or you can paint your own miniatures if you buy them and, and paint them or 3d print them. A lot of people 3d print their miniatures and terrain and paint that stuff. And that's a nice thing to have. If you've got a 3d printer, I have one, never gotten it to work properly. So I haven't really printed much on there, but someday I hope to actually print something out that doesn't look like crap. And I should also note digital elements as well particularly since COVID everyone's been playing on like Roll20 or Foundry or whatnot you know having just a TV with a battle mat on the TV and some figures on the TV also work pretty well too particularly if you're doing it long distance
2: yeah and there's even just a small combination there a friend of mine actually does this he has an actual TV a physical TV that everyone sits around and the TV, I guess, is the equivalent of the dungeon tiles or the the terrain or the battle mat. And then on top of that, he actually puts uh three dimensional terrain. Which I, I feel like it that must be the deluxe version, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's some <laughs> elaborate stuff right there. If you've yeah. got the T V as the table, I I someday will build that when I have enough space. Me too. Now I
0: have seen a player what they do is they they actually just use their T V for visual representations. So if they have an NPC, rather than going into a super elaborate, detailed description of the NPC, they literally just cast the image of the NPC onto the TV. They still use battle mats and all that for actually playing on, but for imagery, they just chuck it up on the TV and be like, the guy looks like
1: this. Yeah. And that works well too. Mm Mm-hmm. And then finally, you could do some really elaborate stuff, such as, as we mentioned, like big mountains and formations or caverns or, you know, any of the really interesting scatter terrain. You could do little little piles of loot, all the various things uh, that aren't really necessarily needed, but they're, they're kind of fun to have as well, because as everyone's mentioned already, it tells the story, right? It describes more stuff.
0: And everybody wants to see the dragon literally lying on a pile of coins. Yeah. Even though it's utterly unrealistic if you do the math on it, the mental image that Tolkien presented of Smog just lying on a huge pile of coins is something that most people still carry.
1: Make it
2: rain. He's just tossing coins up like Scrooge McDuck.
1: <laughs>
2: Be awesome. You would need a big table though. I'm wondering about gargantuan dragons. Like they how big are they uh, inch wise? They're like what is it, like a foot or more, Matt? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Not yeah, that pretty big. big. Then. Uh yeah, I mean they're big, but I'm just, just calculating how big uh was, you know, uh uh Smog's For scale? Lair. Yeah. His his gold pile oh, is like no, no, six
1: no. feet though. I mean he's got like a smog had like a gold pile like this. Yeah.
2: Smog also
0: categorically is significantly larger than even the larger DNA yeah dragons. He must certainly be. the fifth ed dragons yeah th- he is beyond gargantuan mm. he's what we refer to as a megafauna
1: <laughs> he's like the celestial dragons from second editions uh, yeah. spelljammer
0: closer to that yeah, mm.
1: yeah. Okay, okay, okay all right we're going to talk a little bit more about some terrain examples and we'll even show some different pieces, but we'll be right back
0: after these messages
1: if there are any topics you would like us to
0: cover goods or services you would like us to review or if you would like to sponsor an episode we would love for you to contact us at info at and
1: we're back welcome back so we're talking terrain and miniature making with leif vesterholm And we've been kind of going about, like, why you would need some interesting miniatures and terrain pieces for your TTRPG of choice. We've also been talking a little bit about of maybe some of the kinds of terrain or miniatures that you would want to have for your game.
0: Absolutely. So we basically, we gave some examples of things and uh, from basic to centerpieces, right? So we thought maybe we would show some things off that we like. Absolutely. Start with some bare minimum terrain examples.
1: So yeah, we're going to look at a couple of pieces. We'll do the minimum. We'll do some of the nice to haves and we'll do some more elaborate pieces as well. For those of you who are listening on iTunes or Spotify or Podchaser or whatnot, sorry, uh, we'll have to describe a little bit of stuff, but the good news is you can see a lot of these pieces on Instagram, on our Instagram account for Goblin's Corner, the Goblin's Corner as well as on our YouTube and goblinscorner.com. And for life stuff, Devs and Dice, you can check out his YouTube series. We'll provide the link below in the video. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of these minimal pieces. So I would say the first thing is dungeon tiles, right? Sure. Uh, Matt, you got some dungeon tiles over there. I do, in fact. Please hold them up to the camera, sir. Now
0: these, what are these made out of? These are styrofoam. That's what, XPS? Yeah. yeah. So we have a 2 by 2 here,
1: Mm-hmm. a 3 by 3 and a 4 by 4 And those are just made out of foam. So I just carved them out of foam and did a little, uh, what is it, the aluminum foil texturing mm-hmm. that's very popular. Textured that stuff up through base coat on there, a little bit of Mod Podge, so to speak, and then just painted them up. Took like a couple hours to do a whole bunch of them, a whole mess of them. Now, if you don't want to buy XPS foam, you can also do some stuff like this. These are also dungeon tiles, and these came from a diaper box. Look at that. Look at that back in there. Yeah. because I have kids. I have diaper boxes. So this is just cardboard right here. Now, I added a little bit of texture by going and finding some very cheap window acrylic caulk and mixing it with baking soda to make a little bit of texture, and then I just painted them up. There's two layers, right? you got the base, and then you have the little chips for the tiles. This cost me a dollar for the right. acrylic caulk. I already had the paint. So uh, at its bases, these are really easy. We mentioned also the mats as well, the dungeon mats. And those you can purchase. I don't know how much those are. They're like, what, 20 bucks, I think? I think so, depending on the
0: size and quality. I think you can get them for as cheap as 10 Something else you can do is... So, Post-It, and I'm assuming some other companies, make large one-by-one grid sheets and huge notebooks
1: that you can just slap down on a table or what have you. A final note of something you could also use is just one of the cheap whiteboards you get at, like, Walmart or whatever store you have. And you yeah. can just grid that thing out. And some of the whiteboards actually are have one-inch grids on them as well, depending upon where you go. Sure. And if you don't have that, and you want to make a really cheap gridded whiteboard, tape. Just tape the whiteboard down. Cut yep. it out. There you go. Congratulations. You have you are gaming on the cheap. Right there.
2: Guys. Or a large piece of cardboard and a pencil. Yeah. Where were you guys... Uh, now I was just going to say, where were you guys uh, when I started playing D&D? These are awesome ideas. Yes. Why didn't I think about this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we were here. Damn it. We've been around. Damn it. (laughs) Well, you have
0: to keep in mind, we've been playing since we were young kids, and spending the kind of adult money that we can spend wasn't an option at the time.
2: No, I I totally understand that. Now,
1: in terms of, like, playing pieces and stuff, I've got a couple examples. Matt, you've got a couple examples as well. What do you got in your hand over there? You've got, what is that? We've got a couple of different size chips. Okay, so small, medium, and large there, and those are just the laser-cut wood bases that you would put minis on or, I guess, do other crafting stuff with, and you can buy those by a pack full. As a minimum, that's really easy to just put something down for, like, a player character. You could even write their name on them if you wanted, right? Paint them, color code them. Yeah, and I've got a couple other these We mentioned dice. Matt, you've got some dice in. Go ahead and grab the- uh, I have so many dice. Yeah, there's dice within reach everywhere <laughs> so many dice. in this house. I reached past dice to get to dice. That I've was, got a bag of dice here as not well. There
2: we go. I find
1: that the D10s work very well for player characters. Mm-hmm.
0: I can see that. For me, like I said, I, I like to use the, the hit die for the type of character I'm playing. Oh. And then- you can color code, like if you're playing a fiendish warlock, you grab something that's got a little more red and smokiness in it. If you're playing a druid, maybe you grab something green. Mm. And, you know, color code your stuff. Make-
1: sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Just because you're doing it on the simple doesn't mean that you can't uh, have a little little color code and a little action there.
1: Now, you can also do poker chips. That's always useful, although poker chips usually aren't the right size if you're using like a square battle mat. They're good
0: for large size creatures, they though. They
1: are good for large. This is actually our, uh, our Dragon Con uh, poker chip from last year. You can also use these, and I mentioned these jewels, these cheap little jewels you find at the craft store here. And one other final note, which you may not have seen, monster blocks. And what I mean by monster blocks is I find a whole bunch of these craft blocks, and all I do is I paint them black, and I put a little M on them for monster, and then when they die... I flip them over because they're red on one side. And so you can represent the monsters. This is a medium-sized creature. I've got blocks that are large. I've got blocks that are uh, huge and gargantuan as well. And all I've done is just literally just paint them black, put a big M on them, stick them on the board, and then when they die, you flip them over, and they're, uh, they're red. And that's kind of cool because because they're 3D, you can climb on top of them. Because when you're fighting a battle against a huge creature and there's another huge creature behind it after you drop the first one you climb on top of that dead body and you've got advantage to hit the second and so you can literally just flip this bad boy over put your miniature on there and fight the rest of it
2: so even with this simple terrain you uh you know fuse creativity to the players i love it that's awesome yeah yeah so
1: lots of fun either way the simple stuff is Mm. easy and we might actually do we're going to do a couple of episodes on like crafting and making stuff and we might have to do one like maybe crafting on the cheap. That would be a fun thing to consider as well.
0: I will say this there there's a major benefit to Monster Blocks and that is this. When you're using actual miniatures, if somebody spies the Gargantuan Red Dragon, they know exactly what they're dealing with, right? Some of the mystique is lost. However, If you drop a four by four post (laughs) onto the battle map, their minds get to go wild for a couple seconds before you start talking. And you just let that soak in, right? That abject fear of, oh my God, that is a big chunk of wood. He
1: just put a lunchbox on the table. (laughs) What the hell is that? (laughs) It's, It's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's probably because I'm a terrible person.
1: Now, Matt, you've got some uh I would also consider like minimal stuff. You've got some unpainted figurines there. If you can hold some of those I up do. to the camera, that's uh
0: So we've got this one. Yeah, a little which cute. looks really cool. Looks like a Yuan-T.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also you
0: bought this in a what, a ginormous kids pack from like the dollar store or something? Yeah, it was like dollar store crap,
1: right? It came in a big kids pack, but there's a couple other ones. Yeah. And you Look can also this.
0: It's a freaking kobold on a drake that came from a dollar store toy box. That is insane. Mm-hmm.
1: So if you're lucky, sometimes you can find some of that stuff as well. Yeah.
0: Also, you bought like a bag of 100 zombies for next to nothing. Yeah.
1: I think those are actually game pieces, or maybe they came. I think our buddy Jim actually uh, left a bunch of those. He he. Sorry. He
0: bought a bag of 100 zombies. It, it was a ludicrous amount of zombies that I hope to never actually see fully on a game map.
1: I will put them all on a game map when we go to Ravenloft, guys. Turn that's undead. It. Yeah, well, that's true. Then no, I just <laughs> knock them all over. I'll have the cat knock them over. Oh, my all God. Over. That
0: would feel so good, though, playing a playing a cleric and being completely surrounded and actually getting to see that happen. Just yeah, that would feel great as a player.
1: All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about some nice to have, and this is really where a lot of the creativity come into play. Now, Leif, you've got a couple of different terrain pieces mm-hmm. that would be not necessarily super elaborate, but nice shapes to have, like trees and stuff like that. So, what have you got?
2: Yeah, so, and I mean, I don't, I don't want to do uh, unnecessary plugs for my channel, but I did now, the- plug away, sir. Yeah, plug exactly. away. <laughs> I did these trees, which are like uh, you're going to have to help me here—conifers uh, or or uh, pine yes. trees or something mm-hmm. like that—and. Yeah. The funny story is, these are super simple to make, like really simple to make, and they are actually from a plastic Christmas tree. It's one of the branches that come <laughs> out from it, and I cut them up and put some flock on it, and it looks amazing. Um, I think, and we still use them today. So you just made those? You just made those from from store bought trees, and then you
1: flocked them up and painted them and stuff. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so basically, uh, you know, Christmas trees, uh, plastic Christmas trees uh that and i and i <laughs> this is going to sound so goddamn stereotypical but i was at ikea <laughs> and i saw these <laughs> smaller sort of plastic christmas trees that cost like i don't know like say 10 dollars or something like that and the construction was that each branch had uh was wiring and then it had sort of a bunch of needles i guess but mm-hmm. then i looked at it and I was like wait a minute yeah it's needles now but once I flock it those needles are going to represent branches so I cut I have still the same tree so I could literally make like 20-60 of these like in in a weekend and it's super good Um, and then you just flock it put a lot of glue on it and pour some flock on it which you can also make yourself if you want to
1: and there's lots of different tutorials on how to make flocking and stuff could be anything from sawdust to foam and to toxic chemicals and (laughs) all sorts of things like that toxic chemicals. some of those flocking's kind of nasty to breathe in now matt you've got a couple of other things over there too that i've just kind of thrown on the board there indeed so we've got uh look at show them the columns yeah the columns and the rocks those are always fun to have so we have an upstanding column or it
0: could be you know
1: and that's just made out of cheap foam and I put a weight on the bottom of it, mm-hmm. so just like a washer just to hold it straight up. Right. And then some and scatter a terrain. Fallen there. column. Little scatter terrain. Yep. And boulder. Yep. And that's just foam. So if you have access to a some sort of cutting implement, whether a sharp knife or a hot wire cutter or something like that, you can do that. You throw a little base on there, flock it do a little paint job and stuff like that. There's plenty of tutorials. We're not going to get into that tonight. But if you're interested, Leif's got a couple tutorials on how to make awesome rocks. One or two. Yeah, one or two. (laughs) And I've got a couple of things over here. Let's see. What do I got here? I got terrain. I've got a couple things. I've got this stalagmite. And it's just uh, cardboard with some hard glue, some wood glue. And I kind of made like a papier-mâché-type thing going on with toilet paper. It's actually just toilet paper that's draped over it and it's when I say it's hard, like you can step on this thing and it's not going to kill it. And these are stalagmites. It might wound your foot. <laughs> it,
2: it's pretty sharp. It's interesting also with uh, just a comment regarding, uh, it's good that you use toilet paper. This is the sort of thing if you start crafting, you'll notice weird, or well not weird, very logical um, you know, um, characteristics with, for instance, toilet paper. Toilet paper actually dissolves whereas like kitchen paper does not. So if you use toilet paper, you'll actually very quickly going to be able to sculpt that uh you know stalagmite and it looked awesome, Eric. Yeah, and you get some nice shapes
1: too. There's another one here, and I made a whole batch of these. I made like 10 or 15 of these in like an evening. As you can see, you drape them over and you can you can twist it and point it, make like nice little sharp shapes and stuff like that. Uh, in terms of other stuff, you guys have seen the stuff behind me, but these are like little hoodoo's. So I did like a little Western theme, and this is just again just cardboard, right? Thick cardboard, layer it up with a hot glue gun, add some texture, paint it down. These are great to just drop on your battle mat with your p- characters, something to do. Yeah, and then they get that you know that visual representation. And I did a whole bunch of different colors, and I played around with this. this is a- like a bluish purple one for Underdark Terrain. And there's one over here that is, this one is a little bit more purple than blue. But as you can see, it's it's not like it's expensive. It just takes a little bit of time and some knowledge.
0: And if you drop a little uh, black light on those things, then some of them glow. That's very true. I was going to say, this is packing styrofoam if you get really close you can actually see the little bubbly details in it you get that free anytime you buy something that comes in a box basically it is that it's got some lines drawn on it with a pencil and then it was painted
1: that's how simple it can be now Leif, you've got a couple of painted minis that you've done
2: correct Uh, yeah i mean i only picked out a few that i've painted uh here's one uh hill giant uh <laughs> look at that
1: guys that's nice uh I, <laughs> I love that now was this a was this a printed mini or no, a store no this is a this, is a this is
2: a store-bought mini so this is part of a Nolser's swiss kids mini so this is plastic uh and stuff and then the same thing actually for all of the minis that i'm going to show you because it's D. this is the t-rex and <clears throat> Yeah, you can, and this is the cool I, thing. You can be a little bit creative with it. You can, you know. Do you see the small little re- reference there? I mean, it, oh yeah, it's totally ridiculous. But but I love these small little things. There's a goat uh, tied to a to a pole. <laughs> um, you know, Jurassic Park. Why the hell not? Clever girl. And my favorite, which I have yet to use, but of course, the one, Yeah. the only. Nothing like a good eye, tyrant. Yeah. yeah. The
1: bartender, exactly. Yeah, the yeah. bartender. <laughs> In my game, there's always a beholder bartender somewhere. Of course. As, as you could see, you know, it doesn't take much, right? To you get a couple of things, you add, you add a dash of paint, add a, a little bit of a base to really like make them your own. And Matt, you've got a couple other ones that are already painted that you can buy too, and these are also nice to have. So grab, yeah, grab the demon. Yeah, yeah shut the demon up there. Oh. Now that's already painted. I didn't do anything to that and it's got a
0: acrylic style base so that it actually looks like it is in movement and off the ground,
1: which is nice. Again, this is a nice to have. It's not real crafty, and so I would say if you're going to have something like that, add a little bit of extra. right? Give it maybe like a dark wash to it, and then give it some grime. Maybe add some splatters of blood at the base, or just replace the base. You could do that. If you want to get more creative and you want to make your own monsters and stuff like that, you can also do that. In fact, I got one. This is a black pudding here. I don't know if you guys can see that or not, and all this is is hot glue and some paint. Look at that thing. And let me tell you, you throw this bad boy down on the on the game board. People go, oh "Well, here we go. It's time for battle. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's gonna be that kind of day." <laughs>
2: it's interesting. I also uh, that that's uh, seems like it's a common thing using hot glue and then uh, doing different kinds of oozes. Uh, black puddings. Uh, and it's, it's it's sort of, a, it, it works in two ways, because if you get a hot glue gun, you can make uh, oozes, but then you also have opened up a multitude of doors for crafting, actually. So it's it's one of those things, like, if you get the tools, then it opens up doors and possibilities for you. And if you get one of the really clear hot glues,
0: you could just build up a cube and put anything in it you wanted to, so, if you left the top open, if the cube envelops one of the PCs, you can literally put their mini in the cube.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should build that sometime. Just like, set the cube on top of the mini. Yeah. That'd be neat to have. Yeah. You know, they also make um, the different color hot glue too, which would mm. save on painting as well mm. if you want to do something quick with that. Now, we're, we're going to talk about some of the fun stuff now, the elaborate pieces. Now, you don't need these, but. If you want to be an awesome DM, <laughs> you should make some of these. Now, I, I would say let's talk first about some characters, and then we'll talk some terrain stuff. Sure. Do I have any? Do I have any? Did I give you any characters over there, Matt? Or indeed, I've got, got this fellow here. Oh, he's not painted, though. Yes, he is. Oh, he's. I didn't paint him, though. Oh, you didn't. No, me. no. I want to show you the difference in terms of like what you could have and what you couldn't have. So this is one of these cheap. Dwarfy McDwarf Face characters that I bought. But I replaced his weak-ass battle axe with a hammer. And Dwarfy McDwarf Face now is fierce. And this is before I bought any uh, paintbrushes. I had to paint this little guy with a toothpick. But you could make them nice and elaborate and fun. And have a good time with that. And then if you want to go inexpensive, you can make some very... Inexpensive monsters, for example, I would never use this on a game board because he's so fragile. But this rock golem was made entirely out of those, uh, you know, those glass pieces that you get from the craft store and stuff in the big bag. I just kind of used a lot of super glue and a lot of patience and put that together, and then painted him up. I could, I should have just used regular rocks. Thinking back <laughs> upon it now, that's awesome. But we've got a lot of cool terrain stuff, too.
2: Yes.
1: And Leif, I want to see some of the stuff that you've come up with, because you've got, like, a really interesting diorama piece.
2: Yeah. So one. Show them the rock. (laughs) I shall show them. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's see here. So this is probably my biggest piece, and I'm actually going to have to back away ever so slightly, because it's a big one. This I just did on a whim, because I usually do... um, what do you call it, Um, like generic terrain. But I wanted to have a sort of, the shit has hit the fan, it's time to fight the big bad. And Undead, you know, have a a special heart, a place in my heart. So I made sort of a skull rock, and it's well over a foot long. It's kind of heavy also, (laughs) so uh, uh, it's a nice thing. And I have yet to use it, but I will someday. And there appears to be a floating crystal on the top of this Skull Island-looking thing, too. But if you don't want it, then you can remove it, because it's magnetized. (gasps) I forgot about that. That's awesome. Yes. And the crystal also... The crystal, actually, I'm I'm giving away free. I printed it out, and you can put sort of a LED light or LED light inside it, uh, so the top comes off as well. So it's kind kind of cool. Very nice
0: I also like the fact that the crown of those skulls on that island appear to be two large grasping hands.
2: Yeah. Actually, going back to sort of cheap stuff, it is two grasping hands. And I think these were two, like, uh, cheap plastic hands that I got from... We don't have a dollar store, or we have a dollar store version in Sweden. But compared to what you guys have in, in the States, it seems to be, like, not good. But I did find sort of some cheap, um, you know, monster hands. And essentially, mm. I just sort of... It was actually a right hand, and I just had to mirror it. So I had to cut off each digit and sort of hot glue it onto some foam. Uh, <laughs> but it, it sort of sells the a very sort of... Uh, I guess my most metal uh, centerpiece, for sure. I
1: love that. I love that you could just use basically Halloween stuff. Mm. Yes. And put it together into crafting. We've got... I got a whole bunch of got a bag of like Halloween skulls sitting in the back of the studio that I'm, I can't wait to start making stuff out of.
0: I was going to say that realistically, if I was going to give one piece of advice for people getting into this, it would be Halloween shopping.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go to the dollar store, go to the Halloween store. Yep. Go collect a bunch of like cardboard and other, and like just foam that you get from like Amazon.
0: Save your trash.
1: Yeah. Save your trash. Make some cool stuff out of it. Right. Definitely. Um, now, I, I guess you guys can see the house behind me, and that's something that I, I probably would... I might drop that into play. But this actually...
2: life what do you think this is made from? See, my first guess would have been uh, styrofoam, but since you asked me in that tone... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> cardboard?
1: <laughs> it is cardboard. Now, there is foam on top of that. I took, uh, I took some XPS foam and put it on top of it, but it's actually a Pop-Tart box. Uh. <gasps> Oh, yeah. I just took a Pop-Tart box, and then this came from some pasta, like a pasta box that I made the shingles from. But it's just a lot of glue. Again, glue and patience, guys. And then you can light it up, although my light doesn't work, so you can't see that. But you can see uh, this is just some, uh, what is the full wrapping of a package, Mm. and you just put a little paint on it. And then
2: when you light it from behind it, you can see the light. That's awesome. Eventually, if you start getting into crafting, <laughs> at least this happened for me, you're going to stop seeing things for what they are and instead look at them how you can use them. It's no longer a toothpick. It is, you know, something else. It's, it's the spears uh, for a goblin barrier or something like that, you know. Uh, so get lots of like itty bitty stuff and start crafting. Absolutely. Yeah, 100 percent on that. Now that house is amazing. Look yeah, at that, yeah. guys. This is when uh, I went really into sort of trying to, because I hadn't made houses up until this point, really, not these style houses. And and this is actually a, a just an example of what I just referred to, uh, cotton or uh, different fibers that you can, you know, what is it, polyester fiber that you can put into pillows and stuff. Sure. That's what this smoke is. So another way of showing that somebody is home instead of having a light, or in addition to that, you can have some smoke. Obviously, someone is home, you know? Um It's just a version of 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 what you can do. Do you have, are there's flowers on the windowsill there? Yes, there is. Uh so I don't know. Now
1: this is something I want to pay attention to uh in the for those of you watching the videos. You can see he's got a lot of really interesting small details that may not necessarily be needed for play style, right? You could totally play with this, of course. Yeah, yeah, But from an elaborate perspective, this is something that really makes a scene. Yeah. It's got flowers in the window. It tells you what kind of person lives there. Exactly. So if this is all ruined looking and maybe, oh, it's modular too. Well, yeah, I mean, because
2: I'm the kind of, I'm I'm a game designer by trade, so I really like it when things are simple for my players. Oh, and... Here I'm talking about uh, LEDs. You can actually see there's the LED just hot <laughs> yeah. glued in there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I like to have uh, as clear sort of uh, combat lines if need be. So I I tend to not have the walls, uh, you know, at present if if I can.
1: I think that's a great example. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to. Did you use magnets for that to uh, to
2: attach them? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so it's it's just simple magnets. And I think actually now I need to look. I th- a lot of people use magnets like on both ends, but I actually like to use uh just screws uh on one end because then I don't have to worry about polarity. It just, you know, snaps in place and it's there. You don't have to cross the streams, don't have to worry about Yeah. Well,
1: and you Someone goes here. <laughs> you get
0: you get twice as many magnets that way, too. Exactly. Because you're not using two oh, magnets yeah. For yeah connection point. Definitely.
1: 100%. Matt, we got anything over there uh, on that side?
0: Uh, well, I have uh, the beginnings of something large.
1: Oh, that thing? Yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay. Yeah. No, no, go ahead and show <laughs> it. sure. Go okay. Yeah, go ahead and show it. Ah, that's... You tease. He doesn't like it because it's not
0: done. I think it's still very cool. Oh, yeah.
1: Now that is 100% junk mail. Recycle. <laughs> I just literally shredded a bunch of junk mail and said, "Can I make Skull Island out of junk mail?" Yeah. And so and it's it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's like over a foot long. Yeah. You have to keep in mind
0: I'm a very large guy mm. and I hold it like a pizza.
2: It's about the size of a pizza. It yes. Looks so awesome. I, I don't care if it's done. You can see the, the promise
1: of it. It'll probably remain in that aspect for another year until <laughs> I, I get to crafting. And I've got a bunch of other stuff around here that, that we can do. The point we're trying to make, folks, is, for those of you listening or watching, is that a lot of this stuff is simple. A lot of the stuff you can do yourself. If you don't know how, go watch Leif's channel. He'll teach you how to do it. Part of
0: getting started is looking at all of the materials around you, even if it's trash, especially if it's trash, and trying to see what something could be. And I do know, just from having spoken to you, that sometimes, like junk mail, once you know how to turn it into paper mache or something like that, all of a sudden, now it's just a medium to mold stuff out of.
1: Yeah. And, and that's literally all it is, is find some things that work for your game. If you don't feel like crafting, you can buy miniatures. As, as we've shown several examples, both of us have. Uh, if you want to craft your own, there's lots of resources out there to make miniatures or terrain. And it, it just helps with your game. Some
0: people are visual. They require some sort of spatial input.
2: Yes. Any, any thoughts on this, Life? Yeah, I mean... I I think junk is super good. Uh, I I have literally a container, like a, a good you know uh, container of stuff. So packaging goes in there. You know, it could be the acrylics we spoke before about uh, the gelatinous cube. You could use that as a base as well, or for windows. It's literally think about whatever. I guess, uh, possibilities there are to represent what you want to represent. If it's a mountain, if it's woods, if it's a house, uh, junk is super good because no one else is going to use it and it's practically free, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And And you recycled all that
2: stuff too. I was going to say, and in some cases, it's
0: completely free. Yeah.
1: So there you have it, folks. A couple of examples of how you can use some different miniatures and terrain into your TTRPG of choice, All th- and of course some examples, yeah. as well as maybe a couple of techniques.
2: Leif, where can interested people find your work? Well, uh, primarily it's on YouTube. I run the channel called Devs and Dice, uh, but I also exist on Instagram, uh, Devs and Dice, same thing there, uh, Twitter, and I think that's pretty much it. Or did I forget something? Facebook as well. <laughs> Everybody forgets that Facebook, guys.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you. Leif home is the creator of Devs and Dice. Leif, thanks so much for chatting with us this evening. Thank you for having me. Questions and comments? Write to us. Info at GoblinsCorner.com or you can reach me, Eric at GoblinsCorner.com or me, Matt at GoblinsCorner.com. We're on all of the things. Matt, what are all of the things that we're on? Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitch. As Goblins Corner. And Instagram as the Goblin's Corner. Do you like our show? Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player, YouTube, and Twitch.
0: If you could do us a favor and click the five stars, give us a review on iTunes, PodChaser, and YouTube. It boosts the show and it feeds the hungry
1: algorithm. And if you don't, Leif will come upon you in the night with some crafting shears and make you into his next terrain. Of course, in mm-hmm. terrain. Yes, that's a promise. Oh, that's that, awesome. that's
0: your That's your next metal project right there.
1: Crafting a person. <laughs> skull Island out of a skull. There you go. <laughs> that's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name's Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night, folks.
0: In a world where the Goblin's Corner is by Matt Staples
1: and Eric Holden, show song by the mighty D20. This has been a Subterranean Production. Coming soon.